0: It's the Friends Without Benefits podcast. My name is Jason Horton, and it has been a year uh, since I've done the podcast. I guess I've been on hiatus, although that wasn't my intention. I guess I really enjoyed doing the show, and for some reason, I took a year off, and for no good reason. uh, It was going well. I enjoyed it. uh, People enjoyed being on it, and for some reason, I just wanted to stop doing it and I was like, "Why did I stop doing it? I really liked it." So I'm um, back, and there's probably people listening going, "Listen, we don't know who you are, um, and welcome." And for the people that are like, "Oh yeah, I remember um, when you were d- doing this and relevant." Um, well, welcome back, uh, and I guess maybe I'll just kind of quickly catch up, uh, catch you up with the last year uh, before we, uh, before we, by we I mean me. Um, well, I'm at the Nerdist Studio recording. Uh, which I'm excited about. My first time here, and uh, I'm very excited to be here. Um, so I guess it's it's the kind of uh, it's the kind of royal we uh, to talk to my guest. Uh, th- in the last year, um, well, 2016 has was 2016. Uh, I don't need to catch you up with that. But uh, with what I was doing is I traveled a lot. I went to uh, Seoul, South Korea. I went to Tokyo. I went to Kyoto. I went to Zurich. Uh, for the film festival. Don't know why I was invited. Glad I was. Was Was very cool. I learned how to make chocolate and uh, watch some really cool movies. Uh, and then uh, worked on some other projects. And uh, in January, I got married, uh, which is something I never thought I would do. Uh, and I guess it was just a thing where I was like, this feels right, I want to get married, and I happened to (laughs) be dating someone who was like, yeah, I would like to get married, too. So that really worked out, and uh, that was great. Uh, Got married in January, uh, and then uh, working on some projects, working on some stuff, a little reclusive, uh, wasn't doing a lot of things I was doing, and I didn't know why, and now I'm doing them again, but this is all kind of happening. I went on my honeymoon, uh, which uh, I was in london and uh in you know if you 're familiar with what went on in London not too long ago from when you 're hearing this, uh, there was uh a terror attack which uh i 'll make the story kind of short uh, I went uh, we went so depeche mode, my wife and I um, because you know what like i 'm just like in touch and i 'm like super relevant with uh, current music. Went and saw Depeche Mode. I mean, I saw him 27 years ago. Uh, and I'm like, every 27 years, I'm going to see Depeche Mode. F- leave Depeche Mode. Uh, get on the tube. Um, and then get off the tube. We're going to go uh, out to dinner. And then texts start rolling in uh, on my wife's phone. And I turn on my phone and texts are rolling in going, are you okay, let us know that you're safe. And I was like, what's, you know, it, I'm in another country. It's it's kind of a surreal experience. Uh, I've been to London uh, before. It's one of my uh, favorite cities. Um, uh, so I was ha- having a really great time, but it's, you know, it's, it's, a little surreal. You're on a honeymoon and, um, you know, I just, uh, saw an amazing concert, which I've never seen like a huge concert in, a, in another city, especially Depeche Mode is, you know, from, uh, it's from England. Uh, so it was, uh, I just have like a lot of kind of, uh, it's almost seeing them in their sort of hometown. I don't know if like London is their hometown, not important. Uh, and then th- getting word like bits and pieces that, there was a, uh, a some kind of terror attack on London Bridge, and so we're now realizing we get on a subway and then you know we're like all right well, let's go to where we have to go and the the tubes were not moving and then we go out into the street and it's like kind of lockdown mode and people are like looking at their phones and everyone's looking at their cell phones normally. uh, But this time you could see they were looking at it with like a lot of concern. Uh, uh, More, I mean, people look at their phones with concern, especially with what's going on in politics and the world. um, But this was like this kind of, uh, it's kind of like everybody like woke up and there was like an apocalypse and like uh, people are like wondering what to do. But there's, you know, then then it was ramping up. There was... um, Police cars, ambulances, taxis were few and far between because we're like, well, we got to go back to where we're staying in Camden Town, which was kind of far away and uh, kind of realizing I was in this surreal thing where I felt like I was watching something happen, but I was I was in it and uh, I, I I feel like in my own life I get more anxious about smaller things, but I was realizing, I was like, we need to get back to where we were staying and uh, hope Hopefully we get back there safely, but it w- it just wasn't an easy thing to do. So there was a sense of like, if you, I don't know if you've seen the w- movie The Warriors, uh, but I kind of felt like in a way there was a little bit of that. Like you know we got to get back to uh, Coney Island. Um, uh, go go if you haven't seen the movie The Warriors, go see it. Uh, and it was just and. It was just this weird thing that I felt like everyone, even though nobody was like walking up to each other going huh we 're about a half a mile from like a, a big terror attack, uh, but also I mean the people of London are so i mean historically they 're very resilient, uh, but they were just still waiting in line for clubs, still getting drunk at bars, but you could you know there's also a lot of tourists, and it 's a bit of a melting pot of of uh, different people, so there was this sense of like We got – Ubers wouldn't uh, pick us up. Uh, It was uh, a really surreal experience, Uh, and so that happened. Uh, The rest of the trip uh, was really great. It was hard to kind of feel – it was hard to be excited about being on vacation and a honeymoon when there's just so many awful things happening you know so close to us in, in a city that that you know, I love and and we love and you know sh- you know and the world is you know kind of sad together and then you know there's people messaging you and and it was just uh it reminded me of <laughs> it reminded me of 9/11 I didn't think I was going to be I had this podcast booked way before this and I did not thought think I was going to talk about 9/11 but it reminded me of when I would get probably more like phone calls uh, cuz I was working in uh uh New York City at the time and you know uh, you know are you safe and it kind of reminded me of that um but uh, here I am. I'm, I'm back. I'm excited to do this podcast and a lot of other uh, projects. Uh, but when I'm uh, on the heels of a 9-11 reference, uh, I want to introduce my guest, uh, Ben Giroux. Did I say that right? You did. I panicked, man. I had more anxiety <laughs> about saying your name right than I was with uh, the terror talk.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? I always like the precursor to introduce me uh, on any show <laughs> sure. to be the talk of uh, of terrorism so, and right. the world crumbling apart. Yeah. So tell us about <laughs> tell us about what it's like to be an actor. Tell us about your YouTube, YouTube video videos, now that yeah. we've done talking about a terrorist. Uh, it, just,
0: it just makes anything we talk about now. Yeah. So important.
1: But you know what? I do feel like it is an interesting precursor to what we're about to talk about in that as artists, as uh, as comedians, it's sort of our duty to add levity to the world when things are as chaotic as they are right now. So, you know, in a way, we're sort of doing our job to... Bring some normalcy to. I back mean,
0: nobody's the world. asking me personally right. to do it. Like sure. no one's saying, hey, listen, we need Jason Horton. We need his <laughs> brand of comedy. It's it's like it's like I'm a hero. No, nobody's yeah. I mean uh, you on the other hand, you know what I mean? Like, you know, people want more more Ben. Uh I gosh, I should hope so. Yeah. Uh so um I like to talk about how, how we know each other. Sure. Um well we live in Los Angeles. We and do. sometimes that's enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think truly I I sit in a tree looking into your window with yeah. binoculars outside your home. So there's that element to our relationship. Yeah
0: well that, that little that little thing.
1: Right. But I'm giving you a little something when you're doing that.
0: You <laughs> yeah, know I'm giving you a little something. You know,
1: yeah I think you did put up a sign that said enjoy the show <laughs> uh, right, last right week yeah. which was really um, enjoyable. Uh, no the
0: YouTube space, right? Yeah the YouTube space, uh you know it's a great space in Los Angeles that uh you can make stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh I think the we did a uh the video uh like uh, you did a pretty you do pretty elaborate uh, stuff. Yeah, where other people kind of uh, succeed on like oh, I'm like I'm at Target. I'm gonna wear a funny hat because I'm and vlogging. I'm gonna
1: vlog about my Starbucks latte. And yeah. listen,
0: there's an audience for that. There is that's great. I I like to be you know tapped into people's worlds sometimes too. But you go above and beyond, and then beyond that, when you make, I mean, you make like television quality stuff. And but you
1: don't know if it's gonna be successful no. or not. Uh, you know, I think there, and I think we, you and I sort of connected at the YouTube space right. about this. I think there's two kinds of content. Oh, we were at creators. a screening. We were. We were screening, we were screening and some yeah, of our and, stuff. And yours
0: was like kind of sexy. And I was like, I like this guy because I didn't feel like there was a lot of people doing. People are are very like, my brand, and like our brand's going to work with me, and all that kind of stuff.
1: I was like, no, this guy doesn't care. I think we bonded about both being sort of awkward, nebbish guys that enjoy that kind of awkward humor. Hot, hot, uh, hot, I mean, obviously. Looks-wise hot. Hashtag model model life. life, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Um, L-Y-F-E. No, but I think there are two models of content creators that you and I have sort of discussed before. There's the people that go out, and they want to do – uh, they're going to put out a video a day on YouTube, and the quality doesn't really matter because it's all about quantity, just right, pumping right. stuff out and building up the fan base. My MO has always been let me make two or three things a year that are going to blow people's minds. Right. Can I cuss on this, by the way? Oh, yeah. Blow people's fucking mind. no, <laughs> not, case, case with minds. No. Damn it. You use the word minds. I don't like the word minds. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah. I think I think that that for me the philosophy has been whoever stumbles upon my content you know, even though there's less of it, anything they watch for me is, is going gonna, is gonna to be insane. Uh, and I think that sort of lends itself more towards traditional media and opening up opportunities in, you know, selling a TV show or, you know, distribution of content on different platforms. For me, that sort of worked. Your model I've always been fascinated in, which is uh, what we've talked about, oh. curating content yeah, I'm, and I'm. pushing a lot of stuff you know daily to a lot of people
0: yeah and if if, if, i like it to you know i curate it because i think if you like that you might like my original stuff let's go go back before that how did you get to a point because you know i don't know if you were like born and you were like i love entertainment uh (laughs) how did you get from there i mean the short version uh how did you get from like careful that's a
1: dirty word towards me Oh sh- yeah, right. yeah.
0: Because of the because uh, I'm so tall. Because you're so tall, right. and we're so hot. That's right. Uh, again, model uh, life. The truncated
1: version. Sure. Like uh, for me, I was doing a lot of branded YouTube content for a while. Oh, I mean, go uh, way back. Uh, way back. Uh,
0: how did you become like? Because you're an actor. Yeah. Seen on a on a, on a television. I mean, television. that? Yeah, I mean, that?
1: that's been really my my model is is uh, I've yeah. been primarily in the traditional television world for for ten years of my life. And would you say like? And I'm just kind of getting, I'd say
0: you do a lot of. Uh, like uh, that kind of uh, Nickelodeon, but like
1: that kind of – like movies and – and uh, I, w- I certainly think that a lot of my sort of growing fan base and a lot of my work over the last few years has been skewed towards children's television. Like right. I'm on uh, – Butch Hartman uh, has a new uh, animated series yeah. called Bunsen is a Beast that I voice – you know, as a kid that grew up watching uh, Ren and Stimpy and sure. Doug and Rugrats, that's been a really exciting opportunity. Yeah, because you, you talk,
0: I mean, I see. Uh, you know, on your on your post, you talk about like, oh, Nickelodeon for me when I was, y- and then now I'm like,
1: it was something that I was just a fan of, and now you're like in it. It's very cyclical, and if, yeah. you know, we get to record our show in the same place that they recorded Rugrats mm-hmm. and Doug and Ren and Stimpy and all Rocco's Modern Life. You know, and I and and. I, the guy that uh, does Rocco Carlos Alazraki oh. has become a really good friend of mine yeah. so to get to work in that world when as an 8-year-old I'm sitting on a Nickelodeon bench in Orlando, Florida with my sister talking about how cool would this be I want to
0: get slime right
1: uh okay. and na- you know na- I went to the Kids Choice Awards this year and like it's been a really fun world to kind of ingratiate myself with uh that said I've really been trying to expand, so I'm not just that guy that's on a bunch. You're like of a lot
0: of, I mean, and I'm I don't watch a lot of Nickelodeon. I've I've auditioned for a bunch of like Nickelodeon ish, you know, type. It's yeah. like you know the out of touch dad, <laughs> or like the teacher right. that doesn't get it. Uh, uh. So, um, like a lot of kind of annoying villains. Yeah, you so do you do annoying villains. right? I
1: play uh, one of the main villains on Henry Danger, which yeah. is uh, Dan Schneider's show on Nickelodeon. Uh, I play an evil man baby named the toddler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you know, really subtle, grounded work. Yeah, very nuanced. Drives the women crazy. That's God, right. That's yeah. right. Really sexy. So, yeah. Um, no, but like as a theater guy, I mean, I grew up in the theater. Yeah. So to get to do kids sitcoms, uh, for me it feels. Very full circle again because it's it's, it's theater on television. Um, you know, I loved it when, you know, I've done sitcoms long enough where we used to do studio audiences. Not many of the shows do studio when audiences. When you were like on now. All in the Family, and <laughs> that's like right. that way back. Uh. No, but like even the kids' sitcoms yeah. used to do a bunch of studio audience stuff, but now they're so big in terms of what. They're trying to pull off with production that a lot of the times the the laugh track is sort of pumped in after the fact, uh, but it still feels like you're doing theater because it's big, it's broad, it's you're playing sort of over the top characters, uh, and so that's for me why Nickelodeon's been such a blast to work with and for, um, you know, Disney. It's it, it's been a fun world to be a part of, but I think in terms of my content outside of that, I've been trying to build a little bit of a different brand uh, for myself that resonates more with. Uh, you know, adults. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, no, we were we were talking. Uh, you're from uh, Phoenix. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. And you said your
0: parents have a comic book store. Yes. So that is
1: like we're actually in a comic book store right, uh, as yeah, we record em- this. Like
0: Empire. Like Nerdist yes.
1: is the Empire is
0: uh, also has a comic book store. Yeah. Uh, so you're also spying. Yes. Yeah. You're behind enemy lines, I'm looking for trade secrets Credits, right yeah, now to uh, send to my parents uh, back right. in Arizona. Uh, like. It, like I think about my own parents and other people's parents, and like for them to open a like
1: were they or, or were they just like uh, let's start a business? Comic books seem to be something to get into, or were they just huge comic book? fans? No, my dad is a huge comic book fan. Uh, you know, I remember as a kid we would go to the San Diego Comic Con and set up a card table of golden and silver age comics and sell comics, because that's what a comic convention was. Now, of course, it's so Hollywood, and there's films and projects, and... and Yeah, there's
0: no actual comics. There's no
1: actual comics anymore. Right. Uh, So I grew... You know, I like to say I went to college because of Superman and Batman. I mean, I grew up in this very colorful, interesting atmosphere where, you know, my dad went to work wearing Skechers and a cut-off tank top, and and, uh, I was very lucky that... You know, to grow up in a situation where, where I could see my parents running their own business and sort of being their own bosses, and I think that helped me construct a career in entertainment because we are sort of our own bosses, and we're building our own brand, and we're, we're building our own fan bases and audiences that, that want to consume our specific kind of of work. Um, you know, I, but I just grew up in a very colorful atmosphere. For example, there is, a, there is a photo of me as a one-week-old that my dad is holding me up Uh, to the television, and and we are watching Mo slamming an anvil over Curly's head. Uh, And, you know, so I just grew up around comedy, and so it was just a very easy and, uh, uh, you know, perfect transition into a a varied career in entertainment.
0: How do you go from, you're in Phoenix, Arizona, and you're relatively close to Los Angeles.
1: Yeah. You know, in the same way if you maybe lived in Pennsylvania
0: and you're close to uh, New York City or something like that. How do you get, like, what's the catalyst that, like, I'm in Phoenix? Phoenix is not going to be enough. Mm-hmm how do you get, what, what's the catalyst to get you to Los Angeles and...
1: Uh... I mean, you know was interesting? I went to film school first. I went f- uh, for a year, my first year of college, I went to Chapman University. I was the only... Oh, okay. <laughs> is it Arn- Arn- Orange it County. County? right, I was right, the right. only liberal Jew for miles. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Orange
0: <laughs> County. I mean, Orange County could be a little... Yeah, uh, no. no.
1: It was fun, but I feel like it was my, my one year away from acting, and I feel like you almost have to go away from what you want to do with your life to, to really recognize what you want to do. And so I transferred to USC after that. So initially, I was like, well, I just want to be in involved in entertainment i want to be around the film industry you weren't like you weren't uh were you like a uh, child like a child actor did child like a theater as a child yeah i mean i did a lot of theater in in phoenix growing up but um i was actually sort of like i remember my junior and senior year of high school i was making my own films uh i was i was you know i was running around with my mini dv camera and so you were you you
0: were like a youtuber kind of vlogger type P- person before that even existed before it was
1: around, yeah. yeah. And that's why now that my career has trended more towards content creation, conceptualizing television shows, conceptualizing films, making stuff, it just feels like the perfect ultimate transition from from running around as a as a awkward eighteen year old uh, with a mini DV cam trying to trying to make short films, um, uh, you know. And and I'm so. You know, I think you would agree with this, too. It's so easy to make stuff now, you know. There's no excuses not to if you really want to. We've all got movie cameras in our pockets now. I mean, digitizing footage when we were 18, that was tough. Sure. That was was a difficult thing to finally, you know, to try to cut something together. Now you could do it in an afternoon. It was like Vietnam. But worse, it was. It was like it was. our Vietnam. It was our, our Vietnam was yeah. mini DV camcorders. Yeah, yeah, but, but worse.
0: <laughs> but you know, it's it's interesting because you, uh, you have a, uh, success as a working actor in Los Angeles is very uh, is very difficult for the amount of people that want to do it. But uh, you know, you're you're fortunate. You work hard mm-hmm. and you have something to offer. You work have been working pretty regularly for a while.
1: Yeah, so look, I've been humbled and very lucky uh, yeah, to... Yeah. Uh, the Farley Brothers actually gave me my first uh, television acting opportunity uh, in 2007, so 10 years and ago. What was that? Uh, it was a show called Unhitched that mm-hmm. actually got killed via the writer's strike, the initial oh. writer's strike, 10 years ago. Um, and they, they sort of gave me that first opportunity, got me into the union. How did that happen? Um, I don't know. I auditioned. Honestly, my window into traditional television roles was my height. I'm a shorter guy, mm-hmm. and I started off by playing a lot of height specific roles. And I've been lucky in that the last, you know, five, six years, I've been able to kind of expand out of that and and do more interesting things. I'll always do sort of the short guy stuff because, you know, that'll pay the bills. But that allowed me a very specific window into a career in entertainment. The Fairleigh Brothers then recommended me for a show called Psych. I did that right afterwards. And then that just kind of opened up for the first few years, years of my career. It was a lot of um, you know a guest star here, a guest star there. Then I did a couple of a couple of seasons on Heart of Dixie, which is a CW show. Uh, Rachel was Rachel, Rachel Bilson. Bilson. Yeah, I she, love The OC.
0: That's, I haven't seen that show, but I love The OC. Yeah. So I love she Rachel was Bilson. Yeah,
1: sweetheart. That was yeah. a really cool show. I to think work my on. wife
0: went to because sc- she's she's from. She's from Canada, but grew up in LA. Mm-hmm. Went back to, Canada, but I think she went to high school with a lot. I think maybe Rachel Bilson was in some class. Uh, she was in said she was also yeah. uh, very nice
1: yeah. It, and so I think I have been lucky as a character actor to have a really diverse portfolio of of traditional media. Were you trained like was there like because you said
0: you know I you know wanted to you know uh, make films and even be behind the scenes. Did you? Train? Was there any tr- like where you're like, "Oh, I'm going to be an actor"? Sure, yeah.
1: So after my first year of college at Chapman, where I was sort of learning behind the camera stuff, I transferred to USC to pursue uh, theater. To, but to be totally honest with you, and I really l- enjoyed the the theater program at USC. I made a lot of great friends there who I still collaborate with. I feel like I truly learn the best by doing and failing. So every good instinct I have on a film set, a TV set, whatever, even as a director, is because I have previously just massively screwed something up. Sure. And, and so uh, for me, I learned by doing. So uh, I just think that um, every job we get has been informed by the previous job we just we just worked on. Um, so you know I learned stuff in college, but I truly think that my you education- You learn on your feet. Yeah, you learn on your feet. And you screw up on your feet. I remember the first time I ever acted on a soundstage, the director came up to me. Uh, after my first take, and I'm like, hey man, how'd I do? And he goes, uh, in my 30 years of directing, I've never had to give this note, but you were too loud. Because I'm in a soundstage, I'm a theater guy, I'm performing to the rafters. I hadn't really <laughs> understood subtlety for the, for the camera. Uh, and it's so funny now, because so many of my professional television roles are over-the-top, cartoony right. characters that are a little bit more theatrical. Um, but, you know, you just sort of learn by doing. I remember another time I was on a set... And uh, we had blocked the scene, and everybody, all the other actors kind of went back to their trailers, and I'm still hanging out, not knowing what to do. And I go up to this lady, and I say, I'm really sorry, but you're you're standing where I'm supposed to be. And she goes, I'm your stand-in. I'm like, oh, okay. And I sort of slink away awkwardly. And so you just kind of figure out what you're doing uh, in this town as you go. Uh, so what... I mean, because, you know, I think, like, you know, you're already you're already kind of doing the
0: thing. <laughs> what makes you go, you know what? I'm going to just throw money away,
1: because that's what you're doing, uh-huh. right? You're just throwing it right in the garbage, yeah, right yeah. down the toilet. That's right. Pretty much, right? But why not? Why th- do I even make things? Yeah. I should just open my wallet and dump it in the gut. Yeah, why not?
0: <laughs> uh, but you make things. There's no promise of... When you make a an, an, you know uh, kind of an elaborate uh, quality thing, especially sure. on YouTube, that doesn't always reward those things. Um, uh, th- th- there wasn't really like a you know because some people are, are doing that to try to be like I want to get discovered, right? Well, nobody else will give me a. Sh-. It was for me. It was like no one else is giving me a shot. I gotta we make gotta my make own, our own shot. Make our own shot. Uh, but you had this need to be like no I I don't need to do this. I want to. I have like a want and a desire to get this yeah. idea out there um when you make you know uh cuz we did that one in the the restaurant right. one when the restaurant one uh where i played the hot guy that's that was right, all right. the women just wanted to have sex with right, uh, i just think
1: like who can i get to play uh, a male model A model right And just hot. I, I just assume that you're not available who looks 20 right i had to look 20 but i was just shocked that jason <laughs> horton was was, uh, was uh, available to I play my available. male model
0: <laughs> but when you when you make that you, uh, what is the hope and the goal, because there's no promise of, it, no. Uh, of people watching it.
1: Well, I'll, I'll, you know, I think the backstory to that question is, I was producing a lot of branded YouTube content. I was running the Fail Blog channel for a while. I was uh, I made the FML channel. Uh, I was the executive producer of the Fred channel for a long time. So, I knew what uh, producing content for YouTube was like that was going to get hundreds of thousands of views. Uh, I was not happy making other people's stuff. Uh, helping them
0: live their dream,
1: yeah, essentially I just, in a way. and a lot of it wasn't really my style of humor. I have a pretty specific brand of humor that, you know, and I just was like, you know what? I'm going to stop operating under the word should. I, you know, I feel like I should do this. I should take this opportunity. I should work with this. Screw that. I'm going to do what I want, and it's going to cost me some money, but ultimately people are going to uh, associate really high-quality, mind-blowing things with me as a content creator, as a director, and, and hopefully as an actor. And um, and so when I started making my own content, it was liberating. It was exhilarating. And even though it was massively expensive, I mean, literally, I spend every dollar I, I have outside of rent and chicken. I eat a lot of chicken yeah. on making stuff. And um, for me, that... I knew that was ultimately going to pay off and I didn't know how, you know, and I started doing all these silly music videos uh, because I recognized that I, well, the impetus for that was I was a short guy and I wanted to do a thug rap video about being a A short short guy, guy, right? So I teamed up with uh, indie hip-hop artist Jensen Reed, who's uh, this phenomenal musician. Which we'll talk about more about.
0: Sure, we're going to talk more about uh, working with him. Uh, absolutely,
1: yeah. but uh, and so I was doing uh, music video stuff with him, and I was doing uh, you know my my shorts that you you acted in one for me. I was sort of honing my skills as a director, knowing that I just needed something to kind of break through to the masses that was going to really resonate with people to kind of launch me to that next level, and in doing so, I really wanted to stay true to my my my. Comedic brand, my creative vision. What I, you I think, wanna, is what I yeah. think is funny and interesting. What I think is funny and what I would want to watch because that's exciting to me. And then the other th- component of that, I think, is working with good people. Um, you know, I think in the past I was like, ah, I'm kind of working with people I feel like I should work with. And it's like, no, you know, let me construct a badass production team of really good human beings who are also my friends. And, you know, on my, my most recent project, we probably had 150 people on set at one point. 60 foot jib, and we're shooting in an airport. And there was this really powerful moment where I stepped back and I was like, "Wow, I'm really proud to have constructed this All Star team. It's an NBA All Star team of, of talent uh, uh, that I get to make content with. And I'm I'm humbled and grateful that I've, I'm able to continually work with a lot of the same people on making really cool stuff. And yes, it's massively expensive, but for me, it's worth it.
0: You don't do you have any pressure? Because I feel like a lot of people, they you know. I, I' have worked with like a lot of people over the years you know in different facets especially in the digital world where yeah. sometimes there is it's either a pressure of living up to an expectation because mm-hmm. uh, we're already successful but we got to make sure this is also successful or it's like is anyone gonna watch uh is is uh, are people gonna and the ones that do watch are they gonna like it are you are you ever any uh under any pressure?
1: You know what, though? Are you free of that? Or are you just like, I'm just going to make what I want to make and let the cards fall where they may? I think I have finally divorced myself from that idea. Initially, when yeah. I was making stuff, absolutely. Oh, God, how many millions of views can I get? And once you start to get a few projects that get a million views or two million views, that's great. That's an awesome feather in your cap. But it's not really changing your life. And, and, it, and it, it's actually a good thing because it shows you, you know what? Let me just make great stuff And I'll be associated with that great stuff. And ultimately, that body of work is going to matter for some other context. Um, But I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, I'll use this as an example. When we did Little Dude Anthem, which was the first music video I did with Jensen, we had this big premiere. And you could split the room down the middle. You had all these people from the comedy side for me. You had all these people from the music side for him really power players in those respective fields. And I had so many people come up to me that night going like, wow, this is amazing, this rap video you did is so cool, the production quality is amazing, but why did you do this? And my simple answer was, why not? If I have the capacity to make a thug rap video while rapping as a Christmas elf, why wouldn't I want to do that? Um, So I don't necessarily think there has to be an end game to making great stuff, because I think... You know, for me in this town, I try to check in with 18-year-old Ben all the time. And that I'm 32 now, but that 18-year-old version of myself just wanted to move to L.A. and make people laugh for a living. So if I can do that and I can find ways to make people laugh, staying true to what my comedic brand is, that's all I really want to do in this town. And, like, you know, you have to s- kind of strip away all the Hollywood bullshit of, like, uh, Twitter followers. Synergy. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, An- buzzwords. Anal- analytics. Yeah. yeah. All that crap is, you know, f- some of that's great but that should always be a byproduct of staying true to your 18-year-old self which is for me i want to make people laugh at my core
0: i just wanted to, i just wanted to have sex
1: yeah i just want to have sex and I, have, <laughs> and I look back and i was like nothing's
0: changed man nothing's changed yeah uh i, I want before we get into like current ben like very current ben you uh you do a lot of uh i don't know what you call them like uh endurance uh like a tough mudder uh uh, uh, spartan yep Um, well i you know uh like we're you've done tough mudder yeah i've done a tough mudder so we're tough mudder brothers yeah that's right we have the uh, orange uh headband we have orange headbands um
1: (laughs) but you do i mean you do at least for a while you're doing seem like you're doing quite a few i travel around and i try to do like five-ish spartan races a year uh i i run them competitively yeah um this all came about, I truly think, because I was so controlled by the entertainment industry for a long time and that I was missing out on opportunities, I was canceling flights, I was missing weddings and graduations, and I feel like when you're pursuing your dream in this town, it can be very easy to make it the first and only priority, and I recognized that in order to truly enjoy what I was doing in this town and, and pursuing comedy, I needed to have a life outside of comedy, and so I was like, man, I need to develop some hobbies for myself. Uh, and so I've always sort of been into fitness and I, uh, I, have a dear friend of mine who, uh, is also really into fitness and we're like, why don't we just get into this sort of obstacle co- course racing thing? Because my second love is traveling. I think it's so critically important to meet different people. I mean, you were just in Europe. It's like, it's such a humbling experience to meet New, exciting, interesting human beings. It, it brings perspective that you can't get being in your own bubble. A thousand percent. And my phrase has always been: nobody in Italy gives a shit about your Modern Family callback, and yeah. that's a good thing because when I came back for Ideal- as much as you try to tell them how awesome <laughs> it is, they don't care. Yeah, and so I think that you know, it, to to have perspective and to travel and to meet people who aren't like you and to experience things that you're not familiar with. You come back to Los Angeles and you come back to the entertainment industry as a better human being and thereby a better actor and a better director, a better content creator. A and more well-rounded person, which is – Exactly, and so, and that's what Spartan Race has done for me too is by traveling around and giving myself something to work towards in fitness uh, and to compete in. It's a great equalizer. And there's some of this camaraderie, you yeah. know what I mean? Like- when you're out – because, I mean, I went to Montana last year, and I was running around in the woods of Montana throwing spears and lifting cement atlases. And when you're out on a course like that, it doesn't matter what your politics are, what no. your job is. You're just all trying to reach the finish line, and there's something really beautiful about that. So when you come back from an experience like that, you know, you got to go to some high-pressure callback. Okay, I can handle that. You know, so it gives context, and it gives me hobbies, and it makes me a more well-rounded human being. Yeah.
0: I just wanted to because that's an interest of mine, and that is like <laughs> something like I, uh, I don't talk about this, but you know, I do CrossFit, and it's yeah. like one of the things. But I don't, but it's my, it's Jim Morning. Time. I yeah. watch the Insta oh, yeah. stories. Oh, okay, yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> so you know, it's about my brand of, uh, uh, but it's a thing that I could do that has nothing to do, and it's just literally for me. It's a little bit social, right? Um, uh, but it's it's that kind of finishing. Uh, finishing what I I started, you know what I mean? And once you do that, no matter how hard it is, it it kind of aligns everything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, So I wanted to bring that up. Um, But most currently, uh, you have a video. Yes. um, That has done well, opened up a lot of doors, um, has a lot of attention. Uh, You're going
1: to be opening up for the Backstreet Boys, Yeah, we're going on stage with the Backstreet Boys on Saturday okay well this will be up before that so people can go
0: you know i'm going to be real like they should be opening up opening up for you because right. i looked at i looked at their facebook videos and they got less views so uh transitive property of addition says uh no i mean i saw i mean uh, listen I, I saw the backstreet boys when they performed at the grove um so i like the backstreet boys they've been boys. awesome they've yeah. been so incredibly supportive of this so project. let's let's go i'm just teasing people sure it's a really te- they're just like ooh i'm so teased this is so great <laughs> uh but that's a, a very Weird and random thing to be doing, regar- take I- anything away from It's yes. just a very, you would never, uh, never be like, Oh, yeah, that's probably something I'll just end up doing. Yeah, uh, I'll go
1: on stage with the Backstreet Boys, sure. Because of, uh, uh,
0: pre- there was no reason for you to be at, at, at some uh, like before right. all this, there was no reason. Like, and I'm, like a, I'm an actor, right? That's yeah, what's so funny about yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, let's start with uh, your video, uh, uh was it uh, back to the 90s, back to the 90s, yeah, um.
1: How did that happen, and how did that unfold, and what has been the outcome? Sure. So this thing has been— It's a beast. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. Uh, It's changed my life, truly. Uh, And, you know, this has been an evolution of my production team that I touched on earlier and my collaboration with Jensen, who's an incredible musician. This all started with us doing that music video, Little Dude Anthem. We knew we wanted to follow it up with something that we could both connect with, and we connect with nostalgia. And so after we did Little Dude, we threw another uh, little political uh, music video in there that also did well just kind of in the midst of working on this. But for two years, we worked on what we like to call – this is a love letter to our childhoods. We're both nostalgic guys, um, and – Facebook we, is great
0: for you know if, if, uh, and really the internet is great for nostalgia totally and, and the 90s right now is like it's cyclical you yeah. know what I mean
1: and I, would, I wish I could tell you like oh yeah I wanted to like make this to tap into the trendiness of 90s but truly right. I am wistful for my childhood and I wanted to make something that was a and a, people see that a, and an, they, they can relate and yeah. you, uh, you know I think we all are right I wanted to make something that was a, just an epic love letter to my childhood and so we started conceptualizing the song over the, a period of like six months <clears throat> starting in And we've worked on the song ourselves. Jensen and I have a really great collaboration when we work on music together. But we got to the point where we were like, you know, we really need a a catchy hook. Uh, And that's when we brought in uh, one of Jensen's friends, a guy named Jared Lee, who uh, uh, writes for Jason Derulo. He just wrote the new New Kids on the Block uh, track. Really talented songwriter. He came up with our hook. Then I got my buddy Garrett Clayton involved. Garrett's uh, a Disney star from uh, Teen Beach movie. He starred in Hairspray Live. We did a play together uh, at the Pasadena Playhouse maybe three years ago. Um, and so we started kind of building this team in terms of the track itself. So the track took about a year because we were super anal retentive, and we had hundreds of references we wanted to put into it. We also knew we wanted to spoof – Multiple genres of '90s music, which is a challenge musically. But you're, you're trying
0: to put ten years into
1: one yeah, music video. Because we were like, let's make the greatest '90s tribute that anyone has ever seen. And you're you're not you're celebrating it totally. We are both parodying uh, stuff in the '90s and also celebrating it. Which and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that's what the Backstreet Boys have really embraced about us. We're kind of making fun of them, but we're also celebrating them at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and they're super cool with it. So uh, then we were kind of in pre-production for six months on this thing, like planning a two-day shoot. Uh, And, you know, there was just a lot of pre-pro on this that needed to take place in terms of um, production design. You know, I met with my production designer months prior so that we could start going to Craigslist and flea markets to find authentic stuff from the 90s that we could include in the video. Uh, And we knew that getting an airport hangar was paramount to the success of this video because we wanted to 100% sp- uh, percent spoof the I Want It This Way Backstreet Boys because video. Because Blink
0: Winnie 2, it it really, they're, they're, uh, in one of their music videos, right, they kind of do a, a mm-hmm. Backstreet Boys thing. And I think that really is like what you remember about that video. Yeah. So. Uh, you have to, I mean, you have to have it. Yeah, them.
1: and so, and f- even, like, two weeks prior to our shoot, I remember I was, like, l- looking at green screen stages. I was like, there's no way we can find an airplane hangar for under $100,000, like, I, 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 and we did. We, we, I just think it's the power of, of not taking no for an answer and really producing. I probably made about, seriously, 200 phone calls to various airport contacts to find an airplane hangar that we could shoot in, and so we shot at Whiteman Airport, in the Valley. White Man Airport. White Man Airport. That's all yeah. I hear. That's a, that is a product of 2017, if yeah. ever there is an airport <laughs> hangar. Um, no, but it, it was an enormously successful shoot. We had two just insane production days, <clears throat> very um, very specifically planned, uh, timed to the minute, and it went really well. And so then I was able to kind of leverage some of my relationships at Nickelodeon Animation and in the comedy world for some of our animation because, again, I grew up watching – all those Nicktoons, um, color correction. Our, our color uh, corrector, uh, uh, Brian Smaller, just colored the new Kanye video. He's unbelievable. So just talent at every level of this thing, helping out because people both believed in the project and have kind of been a part of the team from day one. So we had this big premiere party six months later. So uh, top to bottom, was almost about two years of working on this project. And we knew it was special. We knew... When we told everybody, all right, at 10 a.m. the next morning, go online, share it if you're so inclined. Thanks for celebrating our video. We did not expect that within 10 hours we would hit a million views, and within 48 hours we would hit 25 million views. Um, It spread like wildfire. And what
0: do you think was? Because there's probably people. Hopefully, you know, there's people listening, going, "There's, uh, you have the product, but there's a there's a functionality of what makes that successful because, uh, like." What do you, is it you asking? Please share, please share, or is it just kind of spread on its own? Um, is it a combination of the two? I don't want you to give away all your, your no, secrets, I, but I, you have to call in uh, some favors. But you got to call yeah. in, like, you know. I mean, t-
1: t- to be honest with you, I think we had this epic premiere party where about three hundred or three hundred fifty people showed up, and when you tell people, and and look, the support for this thing was thunderous, not just with friends and family, but the pe- the other random people that just came to our party. And so, you know, at ten a.m. when everybody goes on and sees the video released and they share it with two or three of their friends. Those 300 people maybe that becomes like 2,000 3,000 people in the first 10 seconds of the video being online. So that's a great little jump start, right? Then, you know, you pump in a little bit, a tiny teeny tiny bit of ad money just to give it a little push into people's sure. feeds. And which honestly didn't really even help with this particular video. You had
0: no you couldn't uh, have known. No. You couldn't
1: you can't you really don't know. predict. You, you don't can know. hope you can't predict. Um, and then the other thing is to just make great stuff. Because if you make great stuff, eventually something is going to pull through to the masses. And so we had a nice little jump start from the crowd that we developed from our our premiere party. And plus the people involved, I'm sure. We'd wa- been promoting wanted. it for like six months, too. So people were just sort of curious and also probably sick of me promoting something that they hadn't seen. Oh, yeah. So, oh, I, yeah. I saw the promotion. Yeah, you were probably yeah. sick of all those 90s posts. Yeah,
0: but you know what? I knew <laughs> it was going to be worth it.
1: Uh, and, you know, afterwards, you know, within two days— in five days, we had 30 million views, and we're creeping towards 50 million views now. So it's, you know, just, we're so proud because this is not just a win for me and Jensen. This is a win for our entire team. It's a big, big deal for everybody that has kind of been with us along the way.
0: Everybody wants to be associated with something that's good and successful mm-hmm. because for them, it's like, it's not about how much money can I get paid, but, you know, if somebody's a really good color corrector, you wanna show samples of things that are successful and that you're proud to show proud to share uh etc and you've done a lot of uh press
1: yeah it's been i mean the first week or two was a lot of press there was a lot of like um uh phoenix press from my hometown they were really excited about it and you know and now that uh the momentum is starting to slow and it's been so you know saturated we so many people have seen it that uh, now we're focusing on leveraging this opportunity into the next thing. So Jensen and I have a huge slate of music videos that we want to do that we would love to monetize. The thing that I'm most excited about is now that so many people know us from a singular project we can take that and both get some other entity to pay for our content right in addition to monetize the next thing yeah um because you you know when you you did this it wasn't to be like well i I would like to make a buck no make a quick buck it was let's get eyes uh, let's get eyeballs on our stuff
0: the money is uh, when you take money out of the equation and uh those kind of pressures it makes everything just better unfortunately Not everything could be like that, you know. You have to think about that that bottom line sometimes, but if you could take that out and it's like it's a labor of love, um, you really get a pure, really good project that represents you well, and that's all that really matters 100%. And the fact that it, you know, if it makes money
1: and does well, it's like kind of icing on the cake. And the way we viewed it too is like let's get as many eyeballs on this stuff as possible so that it prepares us to make money on the next thing. And so, as a duo, we're really pitching ourselves as the next lonely island, we truly feel that. Myself as the comedy component, Jensen as the music component. It's a compelling pitch to brands, to outlets, to platforms. <clears throat> um, so we're excited about uh, the future as a duo. And then for myself, like I'm really trying to leverage this into uh, the more narrative space. Uh, I've conceptualized a couple of television shows that I'm trying to sell. Um, that I would hopefully also act in and direct. Um, you know, I've got a bunch of film ideas. And a bunch you have of
0: connections. Yeah. And, you know, which you know,
1: doesn't hurt. And I think what has been so exciting about this momentum is its it's uh, convergence of all the different threads in my life. Um, you know, this music thing with Jensen, the narrative stuff that I'm working on with some of my writing partners, the, um, uh, just the skill sets that I've been able to develop over the last 10 years, you know, as a director and an actor and sort of wearing both of those hats, um, so I'm just excited. I know, and I know Jensen, for example, is really excited. As a musician, uh, the momentum that this has created. You know, for example, we were uh, the first week we were number 11 on the Billboard charts, on the Billboard digital charts, which, you know, there, that adds a certain level of legitimacy to our work that we've always got now as I mean, our we're The
0: people like in the,
1: the music, world they do music, are they like, what? Yeah. Why are they taking my spot? We had a couple of, of meetings at some production companies. We said, man, we've talked to Grammy winners that have a hard time doing that. So we understood that this was a really unique opportunity that we had to capitalize on. We also, I think in our, we had a really wonderful feature on, on Billboard that they did on us, and uh, Jensen had a great line. He said, this is the, your classic 15-year overnight success story. Yeah. And it's true. It's like we don't want people to think that this is a flash in the pan and that this was all we could do. This is truly a decade of really hard work for two people that have sort of started to collaborate and make stuff together and, you know, three or four years of really hard work for us as a duo. Um, and, and I think maybe I mentioned this earlier. We're so excited that this happened at this stage of our career because we've got a body of work, both of us, him as a musician, me as a, a comedy content creator, and and a slate of upcoming projects to do. And had this happened when I was twenty, I don't know if I'd be prepared for the moment. And now I feel like we've been preparing for this for the better part of our adult lives. How did the Backstreet Boys thing happen? So they started sharing it, you know, in that initial surge that second day of the video out, we got tweets from Lance Bass and Lori Laughlin and a lot of really iconic nineties people. And they shared it and then one of our producers got in touch with um someone someone in their team. And they were really cool. They were just like, hey, how can we help? This is awesome. Um, and I sort of said, hey, well, you know, some of the social promotion is great, and we'd also like to get in person with the guys. Um, so we'd kind of set that up, and we had this KTLA interview uh, scheduled, and we were doing this, this televised interview, and AJ uh, McLean got word of it and surprised us on camera, inviting us up on stage You were at the them. Tower
0: Records. At- we were in front of Tower, Tower Records, Records, yeah, on yeah.
1: Sunset Boulevard. And we just can't say enough nice stuff about them they've been so immensely supportive of the project they um you know so they have a residency at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas they've invited us up with them we're doing like a little meet and greet before the show on Saturday um so they've just been you know to have people on our side like that has been really cool and we're just excited to you know to keep again Ten years ago, you would say, hey, you're going to be on stage with the Backstreet Boys because you made a silly music, mu- music video. I'd be like, that's crazy, and is that what I want to do? And it's absolutely what I want to be doing now because I think that the thing that's most excited about this industry that we're in is you can never predict where it's going to lead you. Um, you know, you said yourself you like testing things out online and seeing what works. Uh, I'm, I've been doing the same thing. It's like, okay, let me make this celebratory music video, and now I'm being treated like a legitimate music artist. In addition to my other interests, it's like, sure, let me, you know, let me go down that path and see where that leads. Um, we do think that this kind of lonely island parallel is the correct parallel to be making. And to have people like the Backstreet Boys in our camp, it's a big deal. And we're super humbled and super gracious. And, I mean, you've had stuff go viral. The thing that's so exciting and interesting and humbling about it is you know, during, the f- during the first five days of this, I think I probably heard from everyone I've ever met on Earth. And that is a overwhelming experience and one that I don't take lightly and one that I uh, it was so, so exciting to see so many people from all walks of my life supporting this project and trying to promote it um, and being immensely excited about the Backstreet Boys opportunity and, um, and especially where this project takes us. So it's been the most surreal six weeks of my life. I'm so excited about what the future holds, and it's a real testament to the hard work of like 200 people that worked on this thing.
0: Uh so w- when is the date again for the the Backstreet Boys show? Uh,
1: the 17th June 17th at Planet Hollywood. Planet
0: Hollywood. And yeah. where can people uh, find? Where can people like that? Though. Five people haven't seen this video. Where can they find it? Yeah,
1: so go to my Facebook page. That's where you'll see the most viral version of the video that's creeping towards 50 million views. It's Ben Giroux Actor, B-E-N-G-I-R-O-U-X Actor. Uh, Or you can check out my YouTube channel where all of my comedy is, including comedy that you and I have done together uh, at Ben Giroux TV. And uh, and on Instagram, I sort of post all of my... um, you know, just sort of my day-to-day updates. Pictures where, of your face. Yeah, look p- at me. Face pictures. <laughs> really, at me. Really annoying stuff. No, but we'll be posting a bunch from Planet Hollywood when we're with the Backstreet Boys. So if you're interested in that, follow Ben Giroux on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, we're just excited to see where this ride takes us. But it's uh, it's a really humbling experience. Awesome. Well, uh
0: thanks. Uh, thanks for being on my uh very uh, first episode. We went from uh nine eleven to uh Backstreet Boys. Yes. Uh so <laughs> I think we I think we pretty much covered it all. Uh, and uh, uh thanks to everyone who's listening. If you want to check me out like on Twitter, it's Jason underscore Horton, Instagram slash the Jason Horton, youtube slash uh Jason Horton. And uh yeah, Ben's uh, taking a, a picture
1: of himself, I think. No, yeah. I I was doing a live Instagram thing. So say hi. Oh, hi. Or, hi. Hi everybody. Oh, now cable. it's cable. now it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs>